0: Hello and welcome to episode 250 of section 138, the big 250, we're a quarter of the way to 1000. I'm Mark Colley, your host, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing really good, Mark. Good news
1: today with Beau Bichette, of course. I mean, all the narratives coming into spring training or the last couple months about the whole arbitration issues, I think all of us are relieved, as well as the fan base, that they were able to get something done. However, the long-term issue is still kind of cloudy in terms of what's going to happen with that. But the one thing is, it has been pushed down, I guess, a couple years in the future now. And for the next couple years, arbitration does not have to be talked about with Boba
2: I got to be honest, I was a little bit scared of that. Like It was I mean, it was supposed to be happening tomorrow. We're recording this uh, Wednesday night. I was a little nervous that it was going to be one-sided and then who knows what's going to happen. But, the, I mean, we'll get into this later. We do not have to deal with arbitration anymore. Thank God. Now we can just focus on uh, playing baseball and hopefully winning a World
0: Series. Jacob coming in early with the World Series talk. Scratch now the we bingo have card.
2: It... What else? Yeah, I already scratched the <laughs> now bingo Now that card it's too. in the
0: conversation, Jacob's just going to rig it. He's going to talk about Pokemon. He's going to talk about the World Series. He's going to talk the Leafs, about... The Leafs. The uh, Leafs. The Leafs. Yeah, that's the other one that's on the bingo card. It was 8-1. to one. <laughs> He's going to have bingo in the first two <laughs> minutes. Um, okay. Well, yes. We're here to talk about Bobachette. The Blue Jays and him agreeing to, right now, just a reported three-year deal to avoid arbitration, to avoid going to that arbitration hearing. They buy out all three years of his arbitration, taking him all the way to free agency with the Blue Jays. Um, Yeah, this is a big deal. At least it seems like that from our perspective. We were here just a couple weeks ago talking about how this arbitration hearing could really negatively impact the relationship between the Blue Jays and... And Bo Bichette. And instead, we come to the conversation we're having today, the day before his original arbitration hearing was scheduled. And the Blue Jays and him seem to be on the same page, which bodes incredibly well, you know, kind of just big picture, not just for Bo Bichette, but for the prospect of extending Bo Bichette once his time with the Blue Jays ends and the prospect of extending other guys on this team like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Alec Manoa or Alejandro Kirk or anyone else who's in that conversation, um, and so the big picture of all this is really positive, and obviously we're really excited about that. Um, but just right off the bat, we don't know the exact monetary value yet of the extension. We are assuming it's around thirty-three million dollars. That's kind of what has been projected based on um, you know the formula for what he would be expected to make first, second, and third year in arbitration. So that's kind of what we're estimating in that. But, you know, big picture, what do you guys think this means? What do you make of this news for the Blue Jays and their relationship with Bo
2: I think first of all, it at least means that they can, to some extent, agree on a contract. And that was the big thing was it, if, if they go to arbitration, it's going to be a one year deal, presumably, and then who knows what's going to happen. They're gonna to have to deal with this next year, deal with this with Guerrero and everybody next year. I was a little nervous. I mean, let's be honest. I think we all were, and I think the, the whole PR thing was not a disaster yet, but it was definitely looking like it was going to be a little bit uh, nerve-wracking. I will say, though, it is kind of funny that the people on Twitter that were like, oh, no, 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 this guy should be exiled, never come back to the Blue Jays, you, you suck, you can't make a catch, blah, blah, blah. Basically, the people that were trashing Boba shit are now saying, oh, thank God he's here for the next three seasons, and I think that just shows how polarizing this fan base is. And I don't know. It's bit, Basically, it's whenever the fans want to hate on a guy, they hate on him. And then the contract comes and they're like, oh, no, no it's okay. We, we actually don't really care. He's a good player. We want him on the team. But regardless, I think it is overall a good sign. The only thing that I will be a little bit ner- nervous about going into the future is why was it just a three-year contract? Now, I understand why you don't want to necessarily lock him up for eight to four 15 years if you will like a massive extension right now but we now have to redo this like yeah the arbitration is completely bought out but now you have to re-sign him if you want to keep him you still have to re-sign Guerrero, Manoa, all these players and I know that's opening a can of worms that we're not necessarily going to be diving into just yet but that's still something we need to consider is that he is here for the next three seasons but you still need to now re-go through this whole process later and whether that is a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, time will tell at this point, but at least we can guarantee that he will be a Blue Jay f- for the next three seasons, unless something else happens. He's traded, which I really don't think is going to happen. But as of right now, I think it's, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. It's almost as if it's like you're putting duct tape over something where like water's coming out and you're just trying to stop the bleeding or like a band aid. They're stopping the bleeding. Stopping Bobbaette from having any type of or him and management from having some type of big p r disaster, but you still you still have bigger issues that will eventually need to be figured out, and they will unless Blue Jays want to lose him for nothing, which I highly doubt will happen. but for now it's a good sign. all we can really do now is focus on playing baseball.
1: Great Scott Jacob, you going after the fan base for criticizing Bobbaette at the beginning of this process, but you know what? I guess at the end of the day, like you said, this is something that is now, I guess, officially on hold for a bit. And um, as much as you were talking about three years and all that, of course, as much as you question that, I think it's fairly obvious to why this was done. And not only was it obviously buying out the arbitration years, but it is obviously setting him up to go to the open market at the end of the 2025 season, which would be uh, the 2026 offseason. So, While it's important to acknowledge that he will still be a free agent and this still isn't completely solved, this helps with the bigger picture down the road uh, when it comes to trying to make a deal. You didn't want to go to arbitration and then potentially dealing with this two more times because this was year one out of year three uh, or three eligible times he would have been eligible for arbitration. And then if you go to arbitration, let's just say worst case scenario, you go to arbitration three times before he's a free agent you have no idea where the relationship can be at in terms of if it's ruined or not. And there's been situations in the past where it only took one arbitration hearing for something to be ruined or something to just kind of, you know, it's, you think about it, and as much as, again, we're not in the room, we spoke about this, how we don't exactly know the entire process. When you kind of talk about the gist of it in terms of you're literally sitting in a room pretty much facing off against your team, and they're fighting for you to make lower money, you're fighting to make higher money, and you're literally right beside them and they're probably saying, you know, not seeing the greatest things about you in some cases. I'm sure not all the time it's like that, but there's been probably cases in the past where you're beside your team and they're just flat out or I should say the front office and you're there flat out, you know, I wouldn't say ripping you, but they are making a case to why you are lower than what you think and it's not always exactly the greatest feeling. You can't really imagine uh, that feeling too good being in a room with them like that. So the good part is, again, arbitration could be ignored uh, for the next uh, three years. And the other thing I've noticed, too, uh, with this front office is that over the course of the last few seasons, it really does feel like um, they're pretty much trying to avoid arbitration as much as they can. Of course, Bo would have been the only Blue Jay that was going to arbitration this year uh, uh, before the deal was uh, struck last night. And it feels like the last couple of years, we haven't seen a lot of arbitration cases um, with the Blue Jays. And it's just something that, of course, while they understand it's a... I guess it's a it's part of the system in place and the worst case is you have to do an arbitration hearing every effort to avoid that um is definitely exercise and again this is another Point in, or proving that case is that they were working with Bobichet, and the feeling was obviously mutual for this to get done because I don't think Bobichet wanted to do arbitration either. And that's the part where you pretty much have a couple years of security now, where you're making set salary. I know, Mark, you mentioned that it's going to be reportedly around the thirty-three million dollar range. We haven't gotten the official announcement yet, so he can pretty much have that time now to focus on baseball. And I also do wonder, with this is the second um, offseason now where there was a little bit of a dispute. There was a dispute before this deal was struck, which is why they were going arbitration. There was a dispute last year with the salary renewal situation. These next three or two to three years now that Bo has, because of that disagreement with the front office in terms of value or in terms of, I guess, what he thinks he's worth, this further gives him the opportunity now to prove himself even more to the front office. And what I mean by prove himself, I mean specifically on defense. And of course, as much as his 2022 numbers looked great, pretty much that was due to the hot streak he had at the end of the summer and then September. Because before that, we know how inconsistent it was. We know the numbers were down. Him, now he gets a chance to prove himself at defense, improve at defense, be more consistent at the plate. Perhaps that's a that's the best part for him. And of course, the Jays would then get confidence and perhaps they can strike... A long-term deal done i don't think that's out of the question that there's ever a chance for an extension i it's it's way too early to tell what his i guess aspirations are at the end of 2025 and then i just look at other situations around baseball knowing that this was the largest gap um i believe kyle tucker and the houston Astros have the exact same gap that the jays and bachette had which was seven and a half to five million dollars and they have to go to arbitration they're they did not reach a deal they're going to arbitration if you had to choose which situation you'd be in, I think everyone would really perhaps choose the Blue Jays side in terms of being in Bo, uh, Bo position rather than being the Houston Nationals having to deal with Kyle Tucker. So it also, you know, you wonder, Jacob, you touch on it a bit. For the front office standpoint, perhaps this also gives them time to focus on getting an extension down with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Rather than having only to worry about him knowing that Bobochet you can deal with that in a couple of years when the time's right. Now you can solely focus on potentially getting something done with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, it's It's just really good news to think about this. And the other thing, too, is the last thing is that as much as we talk about how it's kind of a short-term thing, this is still quite a long time. This is three seasons. Like, we can't ignore that. That's still a significant amount of time. And that gives them three opportunities to get a crack at the World Series because we know that they're built to do, or to try and do it, and we know that they have the talent to do it. It's just a matter of it all coming together when the um, when it matters most.
0: Yeah, I mean, everything you said, like the... The damage, the potential damage of going to arbitration is big. We've seen it with Marcus Stroman, and you know, we've seen it with other players where it doesn't end up really mattering, like the Ryan Teperas of the world, which is the last time that the Blue Jays went to arbitration with a player, but I mean, there there are so many benefits for avoiding it, and seeing the Blue Jays steer clear of that path is really beneficial, and especially when you consider the alternative, right? The Blue Jays are you know what's known as a file-and-trial team. They... Don't negotiate before arbitration hearings. That's just what they do, with the exception, obviously, of if it's a multi-year deal. And that's what the Blue Jays and Bobushek came to this year. So to see them make that progress, I think, is really encouraging. The fact that it is kind of enough that they are close enough in belief of what he's worth to come together to realize that, you know, the fight in arbitration is not worth it. They can get past it. They can get a three year deal, put it to the side and just worry about playing and winning for the next three years. I think it's enormous. Um, I guess the question to you guys is the bigger picture. Like, is there, do you guys think this bodes well for Vladimir road jr or for Bo to get extended or for Alec Manoa to get an extension or whoever it may be? Like, Bryson, I know you mentioned like maybe this gives them more capacity to negotiate with Vladdy or Bo in the future. Um, like, do you think this bodes well? Do you think this is increases the odds or the chances of the Blue Jays? signing one of those guys to a long-term deal just based on the fact that now they've shown a willingness to commit a couple years at once to a player. And now they've shown that they are on the same page as these guys, that they're having these conversations about what are you going to be worth over the next few years and how do we make you happy so you don't, in this case, go to arbitration, but in the future, uh, hit the free agent market. So do you guys think it's more likely now than it was, say, a week ago?
2: I think it's complicated because on one hand, this management has made big signings. Like, look, they just gave seven years to Jose Brios, which kicks in now. Like, that's that contract kicks in now. Springer six years, uh, Gosman five years, Ryu four years. Like, th- they are not unwilling to sign players. It's just, I think, I think in this situation, it might make it a little bit better. Specifically with Bolbichet, I don't, I don't think that it necessarily impacts some of their other players. Like. I think this one was more specifically just to avoid arbitration and not have that mess of they f- they figure out a contract this season, then they got to do something next season, and the season before then, and then there's free agency. I think if there's guys like Vladdy, like Manoa, like other players, like even you know Dalton Varsho, he hasn't even played a game yet, but he's eventually going to hit arbitration with the Blue Jays. Like I think it proves that they're at least willing to to make those types of contracts where it's, if they need to just get their way through to free agency they'll do it but when it comes to guys that they don't need to do that for and when it's they sign everybody else I think that those other players will definitely sign long term and I say that and we still haven't seen it I mean it is getting a little nerve-wracking and I think one of our episodes within the last month or so I said that if by the end of 2023 if there's a big player that isn't signed long term like Vladdy like Manoa etc then I'm going to be a little bit concerned but I don't think that that this whole Bo thing necessarily impacts that. I think that if basically like they have the, the rest of the off season to sign someone, which I don't really think they're going to give Vladi an extension right now, but once the season ends and I know that's looking forward quite a ways away, like we're only in February right now, but once we get to that point of the year, I do think that they'll, they'll make an effort to go and sign these players like Guerrero who, you know, who is going to be, you know, arbitration again. Like I, I really think that the players like that will, Sign some type of long term deal going into the future, and who knows? I think that it's with this management, it, it's it is weird because like they do sign these big contracts, but then they'll also just only do three years or only do arbitration or not do anything and trade a player like Teoscar or like Lourdes where they didn't think that they were going to re sign them. But when it comes to these cornerstones of your franchise, and we've seen this all throughout baseball, Wander Franco got that huge contract. We're seeing it, even the the established stars like Mike Trout getting that huge contract a couple years back or whenever it was. I think if you have a a player that is borderline generational talent, or at least generational in terms of your franchise, they're going to go and lock them up. And So when it comes to just the future of the the key and and like most key pieces of this team, like Guerrero, like Manoa, I wouldn't be surprised if they just go and, and sign them long term at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm totally with you on Alec Manoa being done right away. I just, I look at the clock on him. He isn't even ar- ar- arbitration eligible till 2025. Like, he still has a couple years until you have to worry about that. But, of course, that is something that you are eventually going to have to address. Another thing, or another player that we haven't mentioned yet, who, I mean, this is somebody that they're going to have to take care of as early as next year or see what happens, is that's Matt Chapman. I mean, and they did the similar approach to what you were talking about, Jacob. They, uh, they took away the arbitration. And then uh, they basically sign him through this year because he was technically arbitration eligible this season. And then of course the Jays got the extension done last offseason. But he's going to be on the open market unless there's some sort of extension uh, by spring training. So I just I thought about it when I said it earlier that now that you can you basically push Bo Bichette for in the future. You have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You can focus on because that's always the guy that I thought, and I think I believe we're all in agreement here. or Maybe your percent your percentages have decreased a bit, but that's always been the guy that I've thought is the first contract that's going to be handed out to. And with Bo Bichette, it's still for me it's very difficult to understand what it's going to be like at the end. Like I don't want to say it's a lock; he's not going to, you know, sign an extension. He's going to go to the open market. i probably right now from what we know, because it's so unclear, is I'd probably put it 50-50 down the middle, as I don't know. But that's something, or a risk, or whatever. Those are odds, clearly, that the Jays are willing to deal with when the time comes. And until then, you can maintain a good relationship with them rather than, I guess, putting things on the brink of a disaster because there was lots of talk about that from the fan base i'm not saying it was accurate but just a lot of people were talking about it and you touched on it earlier jacob at the beginning of the episode with all the slander and all that so the fact that they can focus now or at least i think um you know and i and i think the percentage of a vladimir grew junior extension is a lot higher than 50 percent. i still think this is something that they're going to get done and i just like how they push this forward so they can focus on him. They can focus on Matt Chapman. And of course, basically, when they have to, I guess, deal with Bo Bichette, then that's when you have to deal with Alec Manoa as well because of, I guess, the clock I was talking about in terms of him being arbitration eligible in 2025. Or perhaps that's something they deal with quickly before Bo Bichette. It just gives them a little bit more flexibility when you're having the a good problem here, when you have a lot of talent and you got to find uh, ways to pretty much spread the money elsewhere. And for Bo Bichette, too as I touched on earlier about him proving himself defensively and all that, he gets more opportunities to do that now. And you just look around the contracts, I mean, for short, for shortstops uh, all across the league. And we've seen a ton this offseason. We saw a ton last offseason. You know, guys that come to mind are Corey Seeger, Trey Turner, who got it this season. Xander Bogart's got another one. Carlos Correa, as much as he signed with three different teams, he eventually got paid. Dansby Swanson got paid. And then, of course, have Javier ba- Baez and Trevor Story got paid um, last year. And you just look at their average salary in in terms of making pretty much at least $25 million a year for all those guys, Bo Bichette is in for a hefty payday uh, if he remains at shortstop and he can clean up uh, defensively. Because if he can't clean it up defensively, then the conversations about the whole second base thing kind of pop up again. And if he goes to second base, I don't think it's as guaranteed he makes a deal that big compared to what these shortstops have made. So that's why I think it's a win-win. And I do think that It increases their odds of maintaining that relationship, working on an extension or at least trying to get an extension done, as well as working on an extension with a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And of course, focusing on the short-term issue with the guy that's going to hit the open market next year, and that's Matt Chapman.
0: Yeah, everything you just said. Like, I do think the odds of extending these guys is a little bit greater now, just because the Blue Jays have shown a willingness to have that discussion. Like, we really haven't heard much from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Bo Bichette or from any reporter or team statement or whatever about these conversations happening. But I think the fact that they have now had this conversation with Bo and his agent opens the door a little bit to seeing what happens in the future. And so I think that's a good sign. And so I think the odds have increased that these conversations are at least going to be happening now. Um, I do think... I, I think you're a bit too confident on Vladdy. I will say Bo, or, or Bo Bryson. <laughs> I think you're a bit too confident on uh, the Blue Jays signing him long-term. Because to me, I think the odds are probably 50-50 for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then I think for Bo Bichette, it's maybe, I don't know, 35%, 40% odds that the Blue Jays sign him long-term. Um, and then the other thing I'll disagree with you on is the fact that I think the Blue Jays should endeavor on signing Alec Manoa now. Um, we had this conversation where we were talking about Vladdy and Bo. The template, at least by the team that's leading the way in extensions, the Atlanta Braves, is get these guys early. Um, like, don't wait until they're hitting arbitration years and they've shown their value and... They are getting ready for a free agency run and they're going to be asking for a lot of money. Like, sign these guys early when there's some uncertainty, like the Fernando Tatis Jr. pathway or the J Rod pathway out in Seattle or, you know, the pathway in Atlanta where they're signing all these guys super young. And so I think Alec Manoa now is a perfect time. Sign him. Why wait until he's worth more? Why wait until he proves himself more in the majors when you already have the projections and you already have the eye test that shows he's a damn good pitcher? So why wait until he gets his value up? Just sign him now for a team friendly deal. Buy out his arbitration years now and buy out a couple years of his free agency and get a team friendly deal. So I'll, I'll disagree with you on that one. I think the Blue Jays should start working towards it now. See if they can make something happen. Obviously, the ship has kind of sailed this year, this offseason, because we know a lot of players don't like to discuss this type of thing in season. So you probably have to wait until next offseason to get something done, but go for it. Like, why wait until he hits arbitration or wait until he has one or two years left before free agency to make a deal happen? I say go for it now. Maybe it's lower on the priority list because of Chapman, like you mentioned, but I think it should be at least be a conversation that the Blue Jays are having now because he's only going to get more pricey the longer you wait.
2: Well, two things. First of all, I completely forgot to mention Matt Chapman. He, and and I've seen this throughout Twitter, he, I think, is like, if the Blue Jays lose him, they are in some deep trouble. Like, you... Obviously, he doesn't hit for average, but if you have a platinum glove winner, like, you have one of the best defensive third basements in the game, like, without a doubt. And a guy that is not going to hit for power, but him and Varsha will still hit you combined, I don't know, 50, 55 bombs. Like, those two... Speaking of match Chapman specifically, you need to keep him on this team. And the thing with Alec Manoa, I think if this was two or three seasons ago, like maybe 2020 when they bring him up, obviously they didn't, but say they did, then I'd be like, okay, maybe the hesitancy is a little little bit there. Or if we were in the same position now where he's starting to get really good, starting to get close to arbitration. But this team's in win-now mode. Like you have Gosman, Barrios, Manoa, chris bassett for the next three seasons minimum obviously there's a lot of a lot of other you know longer term deals there but your rotation pretty much is set for at least the next three years probably four or five if you can keep him here like this team when they're in win now mode and you have superstars on your team i think you gotta like this is perfect timing here you you have the chance to win and you have the players that can potentially keep you winning for the next four or five seasons so i think that you gotta you gotta bring alec manoa in At least medium term. Like I'm not saying offer him a 10 year contract, although you know maybe maybe they do that and that ends up being a genius move. But give him four or five ish six seasons. Maybe six is too much, but you know what I mean. Like give him a medium ish size contract, keep him on this team. Best case, he becomes one of the best Blue Jay pitchers ever and helps them win win a championship. Worst case, I don't know things. You know what I mean? Like things could completely go sideways. But I think that if you're in win now mode, you gotta lock up your guys that are going to help you win now till you think that they they can't or until you think the team will not be at least winning now.
1: Yeah, I, I got a completely uh, different viewpoint from you guys and I just I look at it and I understand what both of you are saying, but really the only counter that I really have for that is you look at what they're dealing with now and we talked about Bob Shet, we talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This front office doesn't do that. They're not Alex Anthopoulos. They're not signing eight guys under control and paying them early. As much as that's an approach, and that's just a way that Alex Anthopoulos does business, and that could definitely pay out in the long run, it's definitely a risk. But what I'm saying is this front office doesn't do that, so why think they're going to all of a sudden do it with Alec Manoa? You talk about Vladimir Jr. This guy, Jacob, you said it. Generational talent. We were hyping this kid up when he was playing rookie ball in Bluefield, and all of a sudden he's basically a couple years away now from free agency, because this was the first year of arbitration, and he still isn't locked up. And you guys were talking about other stars around the league, and we talked about it all uh, summer about it, and basically how the Jays are different with that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you really have to look at it from reality, and you can throw out hypotheticals about signing this guy for seven years, paying him young. They don't do that, and that's why until I see them do that, I have no, um, I guess, faith or confidence that it's ever something they will do. And that's why basically what they're doing is they're using that clock. They have basically the couple of years of salary renewal before you have the three years of arbitration. And then, of course, that's the open market. So they have this window to work with. They're clearly pushing it. And we know that Bobuchet's going right to the end of it now. It's still unclear of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I still think out of all the extensions or all of the long-term contracts that we can think of— He's the one that's going to get it first. Um, that's a guy that's on, under team control for the next couple of years before he hits the market. Um, and of course, we we know uh, Matt Chapman, but he's in a different situation. So that's the only reason why I think differently from you guys on that is because I'm not saying it's a wrong approach that you guys have, because it's not. It's definitely something that we see across the game. It's just with this front office, I just I can't believe in that because they they've never done that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way they are.
0: They don't operate that way, but they should. Like, that's the bottom line. That's an me, opinion. I think. Like, it, it is an opinion, yeah. obviously, but they should do things that way. Like, I think it's a good way of doing business. I think it makes sense, especially when you has, have someone who's proved that they can be that good. And it's not just the Atlanta Braves that are doing this, right? I mentioned the Mariners, I mentioned the Padres. Wander Franco and the Tampa Bay Rays got into the action a little bit. So like you see really smart teams all around baseball making these same decisions to spend this money and a heck of a lot of money, right? We're talking more than $200 million for a lot of these guys and they're making the decision to spend that money now. So I don't think this is kind of ill-advised or whatever. Like I think it's a good strategy and I think the Blue Jays should do it. Obviously the trade-off that you have is like a potentially cheaper deal. But if you wait longer, you have more certainty of their quality as a player, right? Like it, it's possible that Alec Manoa pulls a Jose Barrios and comes out next season is terrible. And then like, then the question goes, okay, how legit is this guy? Is he going to actually be that good? So like, that's a trade-off that you have. And that's probably the reason why the Blue Jays have for waiting for a lot of these guys. But I don't know. I just think a lot of the smart people around baseball, including, I think, the smartest team in baseball and some of the smartest minds in baseball in the Tampa Bay Rays are doing the exact same thing with Wander Franco. They gave him a lot of money really early in his MLB career, and I don't see a reason why the Blue Jays shouldn't do the same thing. Um, I don't know if either of you have closing thoughts on that.
2: I just, I'll just, i just echo what you're saying. Like It does make sense. I mean, you think about it. We talked about Guerrero being like that number one prospect, and he was the number one prospect in all of baseball when he came up. Obviously, has he been number one prospect material since then? Not really, but, uh, well, he's had flashes of it, but he's not been crazy. He's not he's not been, as Mark called him, the second coming of Christ, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> you look at, like, when they were rebuilding... If I remember correctly,
0: like, oh, that quote was used as fans expecting him to be the second coming of yes, Christ and yes. him being a letdown. <laughs> so, the chosen one.
2: <laughs> yeah, No, I just, I love that quote. I think about it more often than I'm going to admit here. But uh, when they were rebuilding, it was getting Guerrero, Bichette, Biggio, unfortunately, not really panning out. But then they had Manoa doing well then they had Jansen, then out of nowhere, Kurt comes up. Like, when they were rebuilding, they were rebuilding for the players that they currently have, and then they made external acquisitions. Like, I think if you're willing, maybe this is a bad take, and I'll just put it out there, but if you're willing to give Kevin Gosman a ton of money after a couple good seasons, Alec Manoa's had a couple good seasons. I don't see why you don't at least give him three to five years. Like That's what I mean. Like, it's easy to say that they don't give money, and I can see from your reactions, maybe this is the worst take I've ever had here, but... What I'm getting at is like I, if they're gonna rebuild, and you clearly have good talent, why waste it and potentially lose out on some of them because their money or their their worth has now doubled or quadrupled? Like if you have the talent now, I would lock, I'd lock as many of them up as you can, and if you can't, do what they did with Hernandez and Guriel, like go get someone else that will that will hopefully bridge you to a to a longer date.
1: Yeah, I I just I can't look at the the similar, I guess, the comparison you made just because of the clock. Like, Kevin Goswin was a free agent who's gone through all of that process in terms of that window before, you know, the team control window is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, I just, I don't, you know, as much as you can argue it is a risk um, that they are waiting on this, and I just, I've seen how this front office has operated over the last couple of years. We all have. And, I mean, they went from villains when they came in here, and all of a sudden when this team began, got competitive, they've been making some really good moves. And that's why, like, if you're going to tell me that Mark Shapiro was going to let Vladimir Guerrero Jr. walk just like that, like, y- you can't even sell me on the idea that he'd let that happen. That's why I'm just... I'm obviously the most optimistic one with the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. extension. And I truly believe as much... And Mark Shapiro's been talking a lot the last couple of days. And I was going to actually ask you guys if you think this ties into it. I mean, you saw his piece with the Toronto Sun. I think it was with Rob Longley. And he was basically saying about how, you know, this team needs to win, we have expectations for them to win. We also connected the dots of the moves they made in the offseason, and Mark Shapiro hinted, hinted at it a little bit in terms of, you know, accountability, seriousness. I, I don't want to quote him uh quote for quote because I don't have it in front of me, but he addressed that a little bit uh, in terms of what he said with Rob Longley. So maybe this is also them waiting to commit to these guys because they want to see them win. And the fact of the matter is they've come short the last couple of years, which they have, but they've gotten better. And this is really another season where they have a legitimate shot at making a good run in the postseason. And we feel like those needs were addressed this past offseason in terms of the bullpen and everything like that. But maybe that's also part of their approach. They need to wait. They need to see them earn it rather than being gifted a – $300 $300 million contract, and then you're going in a motorcycle accident, and then you're getting suspended <laughs> for PEDs like Fernando Tatis Jr. was, or Julio Rodriguez, who doesn't even, or had whoa, whoa, less than whoa. a year of. He
0: just, he just had a, a worm infection.
1: Exactly. It was a worm infection. It was a, it was then, a tapeworm. Yeah. And then J Rod. J Rod, less than a year of service time. So what you guys say, it's not wrong. Believe me, it's not wrong. The only thing I. Where I see different is just knowing how this front office operates. So if they want to go with that approach, like you guys said, and commit to Alec Manoa or do anything like that before they get to the market, I I trust them at this point where whatever they do decide, I'm sold on um, right now with that. So that's why I'll completely leave the door open to that. I just, I think they're not, you know, they're obviously not planning for them to leave for nothing. I really do think this is something that they're eventually going to get done and perhaps waiting to see how this team does and making them earn it by winning on the field. Maybe that has a little bit of something to do with it. Maybe not all, but a little bit.
0: And to be honest, it seems like the approach that this team is taking instead of extending is trading these guys with a year of service time left. Like, that's what we saw with (laughs) Teo, and that's what we saw with Lourdes. So that might be their philosophy, you know. That that just might be the way they work, and I guess we'll see year five of Alec Manoa or year five of... Flat or bow, what they do, I really doubt they would trade (laughs) a player of quite that caliber. But we'll see. I mean, uh, the door is open to anything at this point. Um, Okay, let's talk a little bit about spring training. And specifically, let's talk about the broadcast. Sports then announced today that they're going to have television broadcasts of every single one of the Blue Jays' 16 home games. And they're going to have select coverage of road games to be announced at a later date. And Sportsnet also announced their broadcast crew for the entire season, being led by Dan Shulman on the play-by-play mic. And Buck Martinez is back in the analyst role. And then we're also going to get Joe Siddle, who returns to the broadcast booth on TV for occasional select series. We've got Hazel May and Arden Zwelling as sideline reporters. Arash Madani appears to be out of the Blue Jays' broadcast crew. I know some people are really happy about that. That seems to be the general consensus on Twitter. Bryson, you're trying your best to keep a straight face. <laughs> to be honest, I don't really care. It's Hazel May or Buss for me. Anyone else, I'm going to be disappointed watching the broadcast. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Uh, radio is Ben Wagner. Solo call, once again, I'm disappointed in Sportsnet for not giving him someone to bounce off of because... The broadcast quality improves so much when he has someone in the booth. Not to knock Ben Wagner, he's fantastic at his job. And then to round out the crew, they've got the Blue Jays Central staff, which stays the exact same as it was last year. They have Jamie Campbell in the lead chair. They have Joe Siddle, who's filling in. And then they have Caleb Joseph as the one player who's filling in and offering some analysis as well. Um, and I'm very proud that I did off of, all of that off of memory. So I deserve a medal for that. Um, okay. D- the Arden was Arden's Walling Arash Madani conversation. You guys have had it. I gave my opinion.
2: First of all, I got to congratulate you because I genuinely thought you were reading that out like completely off of i I'm road. a professional.
0: Well, it was well done. It was well done. <laughs> no, no, that
2: was really good. Oh, man. But oh, so one more thing before I talk about the Arash Ar- Madani thing. I'm going to admit this because I thought it was hilarious. When I looked at that graphic, I swore it was Bradley Zimmer, not Caleb Joseph. I don't know why.
1: I, I saw another joke where people were asking if like, Caleb Joseph was going to wear his like, his Blue Jays uniform on the desk. <laughs> I yeah, guess Sportsnet Sports doesn't
0: Net. have a staff picture of him. Not yet because of him, yeah. <laughs> they just included his Blue Jays headshot in that. <laughs> I was like, there were lots <laughs> of jokes. So I thought it was Zimmer. People, people oh, had fun gosh. with that, yeah. Mm.
2: No. Okay, so if, I hate to rip on a guy because I don't inherently hate Arash Madani <laughs> but there's only so many times I can hear what does this mean how does it feel in an interview <laughs> like it's, it's like I'm laughing because it's it's not nice but it's like there's only so many times you can hear that and I don't I, I don't mind anybody else's Bryson's losing it over here but I don't mind anybody else I, I like who they have Arash Madani like I'm sure he'll find work somewhere else but it I like who they have. I, I'm, I'm confident in who they have. I think it's honestly a very well-rounded crew, and I have honestly no problems with it.
0: To be clear, Arash Madini is not leaving Sportsnet. He's still yeah. employed by Sportsnet. Yeah. Right now he's in Arizona for the Super Bowl. So, like, he's still got a job. He's just good gig. taking a step back from Jay's broadcast.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to make sure, unless I, there was something that I was missing. But, look, yeah, I'm not, I'm not for ripping on a guy for losing a role in a particular area. And, of course, that that seems to be the case where um, Sportsnet decided to go in a different direction or change things up beside Hazel me, Because, of course, she's the best at what she does with that. And the odd time, it's somebody else stepping in. That's why last year it was rash Madani at times. But there were also some times, too, where Arden Swelling uh, got a chance to also fill in a few times, too. So I think he also was on the radio a couple of times. Mark, I know you're the biggest yeah. radio guy out of all of us. So I will say... I, yeah, I, I he, also he am. You filled in on the radio as well. As well as Ben yeah.
0: Nicholson-Smith was also on the radio a little bit. They and, Caleb had a cast. and Caleb yeah. Joseph, too. I and Caleb Joseph.
1: I agree with you on that one, though. I was kind of disappointed that, you know, I feel like the uh, 590 really took the biggest hit in terms of the pandemic. And really, I think at the beginning of the year, Ben Wagner wasn't even traveling. So it kind of loosened up as the year went on. It just, for me, yeah, I also agree with that. I was just disappointed they didn't really kind of fulfill that or, you know, get it back to where it was before the pandemic. But other than that, I guess with the Arden's Welling thing, look, I I like Arden's Welling as well. I think he does great stuff for Sportsnet. And the different roles he was in last year, he seemed to really do a good job on that. So good for him for getting that role. And I'm not here to bash anybody, but it is going to be a little bit of a different you know, it's a little, I'll say this in terms of my preference with no disrespect. I find it a little refreshing that it's going to be somebody else stepping in the role with Hazel May. And I will say this, of course, we all love Joe Settle. We've, I think we've spoken about him so many times about how good he is on the desk. And then the odd time where Buck is on a break or Dan Shelman's on a break, whatever it is, he can step in, travel with the road trip or whatever, be at a homestand. And he he has great insight because he also used to be in the radio booth. So That's my other highlight. Uh, Of course, the notable highlight, Buck Martinez is back for a full season, thank goodness, and it appears that he is now the full-time analyst, so he's no longer, unless I guess Dan Schulman's away or there's some other agreement where he's basically going to be the color guy for most of the year, and whenever Dan Schulman's there with him, he will be the color guy. So that's good news that Buck's going to be back, though, for the entire season. And then the last thing I'll say is I really did enjoy, I don't think we've ever spoken about Caleb Joseph, but I really did enjoy... Uh, Caleb Joseph when he was at the desk last year I thought he did a really good job for somebody who was relatively new to the industry in the area uh in terms of you know being on tv and being that guy and that analyst or being on the desk with Blue Jay Central with Jamie Campbell I mean Jamie Campbell can work with anybody and I think he's also we all know how good of a reputation he has as well so it's really cool that Joe Siddle is going to be staying he's going to have a little bit more responsibility which is a win for all of us and then Caleb Joseph who I thought did really well He's officially slotted in now as a guy at the desk. I really enjoyed his insight and basically his take. So I think that this broadcast team heading into this year, it's it looks really solid on paper, and I'm really excited, to, I guess, with the content because I thought Sportsnet, and they always have done a really good job with Blue Jays' content.
2: Just one thing quickly. How come, like, we're talking about the radio. I'm surprised rash didn't just translate there. Like, I know it's not as easy as that, but.
0: I don't think, he doesn't have experience doing it. He's... I don't, that wouldn't go well on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. I would just like to see him, you know what I mean? Like,
2: (laughs) you you never want to see somebody leave. Like, I do genuinely enjoy everybody I see there. It's just, like you said, it is a little bit refreshing.
0: I will say the Blue Jays have, like, some of the best in the business at all these positions, right? Like, it doesn't get better than Jamie Campbell and Joe Siddle. And in the broadcast booth, I mean, Dan Schulman is one of the best play-by-play announcers, not just in baseball he is a friend of the show, but he's not just the best in baseball. He's the best in North American sports, like ESPN world series, radio college hoops in the States. Like it doesn't get better than Dan Shulman. He is top of the top of the top. And so we're really, really lucky to get him for what appears this year to be, if not one sixty two, pretty darn close to it. And then of course, Hazel may, I think like, again, it doesn't get any better than that. I think she is the best in the business of being a sideline reporter. And you know, Anytime, no knock against Arden or Arash, but anytime she's not on the broadcast, I think the broadcast suffers just because she is so exceptional at what she does. So, yeah, we're really lucky to be able to watch this crew day in and day out. And the only complaint I have is Sportsnet not backing the radio product a little bit more. I know I'm probably one of the rare people who actually does listen to the radio, but, you know, when you're out and about, you pull it up on your phone, you're listening in the car. It's disappointing that it's just Ben Wagner. It makes the broadcast suffer a little bit. So I'm disappointed about that. But it is what it is. And we're still pretty darn lucky with what they have on the TV side of things. Um, Okay. I think the last thing we have to talk about quickly is a question that we got from one of our listeners. Naden is coming through again with another amazing question. They ask, who are you most excited to watch during spring training? Um, I've got a clear answer for this. I don't need much discussion on this one. For me, it is far and away Dalton Varsho. Uh, I think any, having a new guy on the team is always very exciting to just figure out what he's about, right? We've never seen this guy play. We've seen the highlights, sure, but like just learning what his swing is like, how he approaches things in the outfield, what it's like on the base pass. Like, to me, the new... Kids on the block is the most exciting part of spring training, getting to watch those guys, getting to know them a little bit, what the dynamic is like in the clubhouse, getting our first interviews and quotes with him. Um, I'm really excited to see him in action, and I'm curious who you guys pick as the most exciting player to watch or the guy you're most excited to watch in spring training.
2: Well, I was going to say Varsho for those same reasons, but I'm also going to say Jose Barrios because we all know what he needs to do. Seven-year extension starts this season era was terrible last season he has a big big season coming up and and i think that spring training will be a big indicator of has the offseason work paid off and i know obviously still has got to play the season but i i'm looking forward to see what's what what version of jose brios are we getting are we getting the 2022 version or are we getting basically the other version which is the the much better and much more durable brios
1: that's your ace, Jacob, and I mean, I don't know how many times we've hinted at it, and we're going to say it again in the official prediction, that's the X factor for this rotation this year, but in terms of excitement, um, I was actually, I'm glad that none of you took my answer, and then this kind of coincides a bit with Sportsnet's, uh, Sportsnet's announcement, because as much as they pretty much finalized the broadcast team, they also confirmed that all 16 home games are going to be televised. And of course, there's also going to be some road games that are televised. So we're going to see a lot of this team uh, in spring training. Varsho is a really good, it's actually a really good answer. I didn't even think of that one, but it makes sense about how he's the new guy. And we're really going to get, we're going to get a good sense of him defensively. But my answer and the tel- the television part of this is a reason why I think it solidifies it for me. And that's Ricky Teedman. I want to see Ricky Teedman pitch as much as I, I can in the spring. I think he's going to get some opportunities early on. Perhaps near the end, usually they send him down to minor league camp, but I think early on, Ricky's going to get some starts, and as long as they are the home games so we can see them on TV, and Dan Shulman's calling it, sign me up any day of the week to see Ricky Teedman. So, I'll hand it back over to you, Mark. I actually actually have a question for you guys, too, but I'll let you uh, finish off on this quickly.
0: Well, I don't have any finishing thoughts, only that you'll be able to listen to all of these games with only uh one guy on the broadcast unfortunately but you will be able to hear it um, i think it's i don't think sportsnet always it's not always on sportsnet 590 right sometimes it's just mlb at bat or what are they calling it now the MLB? Dot com, yeah. dot com, dot TV, whatever it is yeah yeah anyways go ahead <laughs> well i was just
1: yeah i was i just
0: found something interesting
1: uh february yesterday actually and it was basically a piece from the athletic in terms of i i know you saw this mark when the MLB or when MLB eventually expands to thirty two teams, there was like a proposed realignment about how I guess things would look. I think it was from Jim uh, Bowden. And basically what he did was the AL and the NL are abolished. So I just want to get your guys' thoughts quickly. And basically he had the Blue Jays obviously in the North Division. And that's and I I mean, if you look at the teams in the division with them, it's the Cincinnati Reds, the Cleveland Guardians, and the D- Detroit Tigers. I just thought, you know, what you guys saw it, in Sign terms of that. Me yeah. Up. <laughs> And then the I think the expansion teams I think he listed were Charlotte and Nashville but basically when that happens a complete reform of the alignment I mean I think we would all uh, sign up for that and I think it would be I think it'd be pretty cool though to see that type of change as well through all of baseball. I don't know what you guys thought.
2: I absolutely love it with every bone in my body. I've been calling for this for I don't know since 2017 2018. This league needs 32 teams. You might hate when I say that there should be 15, 16 teams. I was gonna say fifteen, but I don't know why. But there should be sixteen teams in the playoffs. I like the way the NBA does it. Obviously, it wouldn't be this way, but I thirty-two teams needs to be the way it is. And if that's your division, Blue Jays might be the Raptors when they were in their prime. Like they'll be winning that division absolutely, like every single season. Like, look but, at
1: you ending things off on a hot note. <laughs> Holy no, <laughs>
2: but like realistically, I think this would. First of all, I think that the way that the schedule is now where you play every team is good is a lot better than the one last year. But this realignment, it to me, I think it would be a lot better for the game. And it it would be just, I think, more entertaining not to see the same few teams for 20 straight seasons.
0: The only downside to this, I think, is that you lose some of the rivalries. Like you, yes. you're you playing non-exciting teams. Like what was it? It was Cleveland. Cincinnati and Detroit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to be honest, like if any of those teams come to the Rogers Center this season, like you're just kind of. Eh, what's next? Like, who are we playing next week? Like, it gets rid of the Yankees. It, get, As much as the schedule, the ease of competition is a lot easier. They're not exciting teams. I will say, though, under this alignment, I think I saw it was, what, it was the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, and the Phillies. I think we're yes, all put in East. one division. And that would be entertaining. That would be must-watch television every night. So I would say, like... You lose the entertainment aspect, you gain the competitive edge. So, I don't know, it's a trade-off, but I, I would not complain. And I assume under this you'd also be getting more um, equal scheduling, kind of like what we have this year, where it's less against your division rivals and more just against the entire league. So, I don't know, fun hypotheticals. And The Athletic also had a great series previewing kind of the four most likely cities to get an expansion team, with Montreal what was it? Montreal, Las Vegas, Portland, and Nashville, I think. That's a great series if you want to learn more about, you know, some of those cities that are involved.
2: That sounds pretty good. I mean, I, I've been wanting one down in Nashville for a while. That'd be pretty awesome. I mean, well, Nashville and Montreal, I think, are the two ones where i'd want like i know i don't want to sound as if i'm just being like oh yeah that's a you know, good idea whatever no i, <laughs> I didn't know you, I think... <laughs> nashville. Like, no, you did I? like that word before well, <laughs> well no i d- have you been in been Nashville? There, it's a na- I've, I've, no, I've... i wish <laughs> no but it's a nice city they got hockey there you might as well expand it um it, it would make it you know more entertaining
1: it makes sense you're a big luke combs fan so i mean nashville no, no, we're not wi-
2: <laughs> for the record nothing against him but no i'm not we're not we're changing conversation okay well,
0: on that note, we'll wrap up today's <laughs> episode. Oh, Jacob, you got something to add?
2: Forgot about. I forgot. I meant to say this. I set a reminder on my phone, and the reminder went late into the episode. <laughs> I was gonna say oh, this. No. Uh, it's gonna be quick. I was gonna say this in the beginning, but I. And this isn't baseball related, but congratulations to LeBron James for now being the official highest scorer in wow. NBA history. Basketball. Talk. I just thought we'd mention that, like things like that. New do one not on the bingo card. <laughs>
0: the goat, right?
2: <laughs> Top two. We're but not. Congratulations. We're not that we are on not this opening. But yes, no. But top two player. Congratulations. Saw that on TV live. Definitely was an amazing moment.
0: Okay, and then that, on that totally <laughs> non Blue Jays related note, we'll wrap up for this week. This is officially the last week in more than nine months that we won't have baseball. We got pitchers and catchers reporting in a week, right? It's next next Thursday. Yeah. End of next week. Right. So probably exactly a week by the time people are listening to this. So very exciting time. And, um, I know, you know, people who were around last season probably have a picture of this, but just to remind everyone, we're going to be doing probably around weekly episodes during spring training. Um, unless there's something big that happens. I know we had some trades and signings last year that we had to get in. Um, and then, Right before the season starts, we'll be doing a preview episode with our predictions for 2023. We'll be predicting everything, you know, roster, over-unders, who's going to lead the team in war, which Jacob will (laughs) presumably mess up again, (laughs) how many home runs (laughs) Vladdy will have, those sorts of questions, and of course the Blue Jays final record. And then we're off to the races. We're doing episodes after every single series of the regular season, Um, and uh, we can't wait. It's going to be a great season, but we still got a bit to go until then. Spring training, pitchers and catchers reporting next week. The only thing I'll plug this week is our Buy Me a Coffee page. You can find it on our social media. The link is at our Linktree, which is Linktree slash section 138 pod. Go check it out. We appreciate anything you can give. And with that, we'll catch you next time.